Hey there, and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. We've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives, and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Right, well, we are getting towards the end of our New Year's Revolution series, and this is a brilliant message. And you're going to be blessed. You're going to be stirred. Get your hankies ready. It's one of those ones, but in a good way. Why don't we stand to our feet? Let's give Chantelle Norman a huge, huge welcome as she joins us. You guys have been singing with so much passion. I love it. Are you passionate about Jesus? Are you passionate about, gosh, how much he's changed you? Changed your life? Like, who's been radically changed? Like, who literally is like, sometimes you don't wake up, you're like, how did I get here? Like, God's transformational power is at work. And that's at work inside of us. So can we just... At the outset, can we just honor and revere the name of Jesus? Because he truly does change us. He truly does lead us down a better path. So, Father, we thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives, Lord. I know that sometimes life can be tricky. And we don't all come from the same kind of family backgrounds and, and cultures. And, but... but Park that aside right now. We are all under this roof, and we are called children of God. And so right now, Lord, would you help us? Help us to receive your word. I've been pondering on just when I'm reading my, my daily devotions, and I was challenged through this incredible thing called, um, it's just a, it's called a Bible recap. And there's five things before I read the word that I've been praying. And one of them I'm going to list the five, and it says, God, you can keep your eyes closed, and you can pray this in your heart too. God, give me wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Let any knowledge I gain help me love you and others more, and not puff me up. Number three, help me see something new about you that I've never seen before. Number four, correct any lies I have believed about you or anything I've misunderstood. And number five, direct my steps according to your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, so let it be. So let it be done. (laughs) We were saying wrap it up to John because at the first um, service I was going over a bit, only because he went over a bit. And then he's down to me. I'm on my last point. He's like, wrap it up. And I'm like, oh, I want to tell him to wrap it up. So I got, my ba- I got my own back on him. That's all his times he's made fun of my dresses and stuff. <laughs> Can't call me a Christmas tree. Uh, anyways, listen, you can take your seats. We have, um, we are in the middle of our New Year's Revolution series. Somebody say Revolution. Do you want a revolution? Exactly. Book of Revelation, chapter See, 7, verse 16 See, the 18-year-old in me can't help it. They, they shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst, thirst anymore. Preacher, preacher, God shall wipe away. Come on. Every 
Franklin and the new nation. The 18-year-old me is like, I cannot hear revolution and not think about Kurt Franklin. Can I get a Oh, if you haven't heard Kirk Franklin, please download this beautiful, awesome hip-hop, all of it. It's, it drops. It's so good. Um, download it. It's so good. Okay, so the revolution actually starts where first? The revolution starts in me. The revolution, we can pray all day long. But until we are willing vessels to say yes to Jesus and no to sin, (laughs) we can either start or stop the revolution. Jesus, help us. And our prayer is that the Lord would do it again. That we don't just want to read about it in the book of Acts. And we don't just want to watch movies of the Jesus revolution. Our prayer is that the Lord would do it again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Do it in me first. Do it in me. And behind me, there's a list of all the the hallmarks of this revolution that we've covered over the last few weeks. And I'm I'm sure it's going to come up behind me. The hallmarks. Nope. Okay. Well, it should come up behind me. No? Thumbs up, guys? Thumbs down? No? Okay, anyways, um, the the 10 hallmarks of this revolution. Okay, receive the revelation of the grace of God. Expect signs and wonders. Value the weak. Operate under the power of the Holy Spirit. Let go of sin. Say goodbye. Come on, just bye-bye. Bye-bye, sin. Uphold the name of Jesus, that we have all authority, right? To keep upholding the name of Jesus. Treasure the word of God. Scriptures say, Lord, let me hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And today we're going to look at another hallmark. And it's offer continual hospitality. No one's saying whoop, whoop now, are they? (laughs) Nope, 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 nope. No, no one's saying whoop, whoop. Yeah, there's just a few of you, I know. You see, the funny thing is that hospitality was actually my word for 2023. And it has put me to the test because my prayer was that, Lord, I want to learn something new. I want you to grow me. I want you to challenge me. I don't want to just stay stuck doing the same thing, using the same words like, Lord, I want you to do something. What is the revolution that he wants to do in me? So he gives me hospitality. (laughs) I'm like, thank you, Lord. That's amazing. And I've had to outwork this in my life because it doesn't, it's not like natural to me, like to host people well at my house. And like, I love it. And the thought of it has been amazing. But the reality, that's different. So let's go to this incredible portion of scripture where this has challenged me personally and it's in first peter 4 8 through 9 and it says this above all that's a good start above all someone say above all all love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin now it's not condoning sin it's basically saying that god's forgiveness has covered 
a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Ooh, grumble. Grumble. Somebody say grumble. I didn't really know what the word meant until I moved to England. <laughs> you grumble when it's cold. You grumble when it's hot. Oh, my Lord. You grumble when the supermarkets change their aisles. I mean, seriously, why do they do that to us? <sighs> you see, I love that Peter writes this, this passage because he was a recipient of, God, of this deep love. He walked with Jesus. He ate with him. He saw the miracles. And he himself was a recipient of this deep love, this covered sin, offering forgiveness for him and radical hospitality through the life of Jesus, through his death, his life, and his resurrection. You see, this kind of hospitality, it's intentional. And it surprises and delights people by making them feel noticed, giving them personal attention, and providing excellent follow-through. It is hospitality that makes guests feel so welcome that they want to return again and again. That's why I love being part of such a welcoming church family, that, that there's such an openness and an embrace, and we're moving, right, in a few weeks, and we get this new opportunity to welcome people in, to keep inviting them in to this incredible experience with God. They would feel his love and his power at work. So when we live when we live into the principles of continual hospitality, we give people a taste of the kingdom of God. A taste of the kingdom of God. When hospitality is done well, and I mean well, I don't just mean ham and cheese sandwiches thrown together on a platter, plastic platter, and some crisps dumped on them, okay? That's not well. Sorry if you think that's well. That's sort of just like, okay, well, here you go but it's not truly thought of and intentional hospitality. It changes lives when it's done well. And we all, all, all of us have this unlimited capacity to show hospitality and extend the love of Jesus beyond the walls of our everyday life. You see, it goes beyond our gifting. And I meet so many people that I said, I just don't, I don't feel called to, you know, host people. I, I'm, it's just not, it's, it's, it's Sharon's gift. Yeah, yeah, Rachel's gift. They, they do it so well. But, you know, the scriptures talk about our, our, our righteous acts being as filthy rags. Like, who are we <laughs> to, to shut people out to this beautiful banqueting table so they can feast on the love and the goodness of God that's been extended to us. This is an empowering practice to bring healing and extend God's kingdom in our community. So today I want to talk to you about radical 
hospitality. Trust me, I have been on this journey for the past year, and I pray that this, this, this growth continues in my life because I never want to be the believer in Christ that shuts people out because they're different to me. I never want to be the believer in Christ that forgets where I come from, that forgets that I was once lost and I was once in, in a deep, dark pit, but I was rescued. I was taken out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet upon a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand so I no longer have to turn away from what he's calling me to do. So today we're going to cover three things. What is radical hospitality? What it is biblically? Why it matters to us as believers in Christ? And how to practice it? Okay, so the first one is this. What radical hospitality is biblically? You see, when I first moved to Norwich, okay, I encountered the Mount Zion community. Mount Zion International Glory Fellowship, to be precise, the community that was here in Norwich when I was dating John. And I was so moved and impacted because I had Sedley Pimlock and, and, and uh, Sam Hollinger who would come to me and they would just love on me and hug me and, and, and kiss me on both cheeks. And I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Um, and because I'm from LA, I'm sort of like, what, what's going on? Like, what do they want from me? <laughs> but it was such a pure and deep love that I experienced. I never experienced before, really, in this kind of setting. And so I thought, man, this is so precious. And I met people like, um, like Laura Hollinger, who invited me to her wedding. She never even met me. But John's like, hey, can my girlfriend come from California? And she's like, okay, well, I'm fighting for spaces in my, you know, when you're getting married, you're like trying to trying to keep to, to the budget. Um, but she invited me so, so graciously, and we've become such good friends over the years. And, and people like Mark and Sharon Hollinger, who, who, who let me stay with them for an extended period of time. I mean, they became like my family here in Norwich, and I was forever grateful. And we became so close, even though they didn't really know me, we became such a close-knit family that um, one morning, I... I opened up the curtains and, and I saw the snow falling and I'm like, wow, this is so beautiful. So I went downstairs and Mark and Sharon and the kids are downstairs and we're all sort of like still in our PJ. So um, Mark's like, I'm like, wow, that's really snow. Being from California, you don't see snow falling like that. So I'm like, oh, this is, amazing. Mark's like, you like that? I'm like, yeah. He goes, why don't you go outside and experience it for yourself? And I'm like, that sounds like a good idea. So then I put my robe on and I headed out and I'm like, oh, the snow, it's amazing. And so then I turn out because it was freezing. So I turned back to go inside and Mark locked me out of the house. And I thought, this is real family. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. I was like, we're going to get on so well. <laughs> it's so precious though. You know, I, I was thinking about this portion of scripture in Hebrews 13. One, two, and it says this, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, not just to the people that you know, to the stranger. For by doing some, people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. It could have been that angel, Mark. <laughs> In the Greek, the, the word for hospitality is is philozena. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It literally means 
Philo means love and Zena means stranger. So you put those two words together, it means love of stranger. Hospitality is then the act of making strangers feel loved as if they belong, welcomed home like family. And the Bible's practices is that we are to love the stranger, love our enemies, yes, our enemies. Yes, absolutely our enemies. And love those who are different from us. Our calling is to offer radical hospitality in the midst of a hostile world, in the midst of wars, in the midst of, of, of the world's greatest epidemic of loneliness. Hospitality is the key. Did you know that there is an estimated 38,000 lonely people in Norfolk? 38,000. Age 65 plus. And there's many more of all ages that are lonely. And it's been through isolation and, and physical and mental illness. This is the impact of loneliness. Being lonely increases the risk of premature death by 30%. Loneliness is associated with an increased risk of developing coronary heart disease, high blood pressure, and a stroke. It is considered to be more harmful to the health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. You see, we were made for connection. We were made for togetherness. Jesus said, in his kingdom, the smallest of all seeds will leave a lasting impact much larger than expected. In the same way, the smallest things in our lives are ordinary welcome, conversations, ordinary days, our ordinary meals, our, our homes can have much larger impact than you'd ever imagine when harnessed with, with the gospel intentionality. We were designed for togetherness, not for loneliness. Rosaria Butterfield writes this incredible book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Yeah, I don't see anyone getting out their phones and ordering this on Amazon because it is a really, really challenging book. It is a really challenging book and, and reading it has challenged me even more to the core of who I am as a believer in Christ and how I outwork this gospel message of hope, of life, of welcome. If you're wanting a greater understanding of radical hospitality, then I think this is your book. Rosaria was radically saved through one invitation, one invitation to dinner in a modest home from a humble couple who lived out the gospel daily, simply, and authentically. Did you know that you could actually be part of a changed life simply through one invitation? One invitation. In the Rosaria, there's these two quotes that really stood out to me in, in her book. She's got many things that she's written in here, but two of them really stood out to me. The first one is this. Rosaria says, we are agents of grace. We are agents of grace. We put the hand of the stranger into the hand of the Savior. 
Radical, ordinary hospitality is this. Using your Christian home daily, in da- sorry, in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbor- neighbors the family of God. You see, our calling is that we would make spaces that don't exist in our culture, that don't exist, spaces of hospitality. I love that Bryn and Lydia have opened, you know, Blue Bear, and, and there's no, they don't want any glamour or any glory. They're just creating spaces of hospitality for people that just need to feel and sense something different. It's spaces where we allow the spirit of Christ to just move in our lives. Spaces of welcome home. Spaces of come as you are. Spaces of you belong here. Spaces of you can belong before you believe. Are we prepared to open up our heart and create the spaces for the Holy Spirit to move like never before? Do you want a revolution? Well, the revolution starts with me. It starts with me. So that's what biblical hospitality is. Making hospitable spaces in hostile places. Okay, so why does it matter? Why does it matter to us as believers in Christ? Why does it even matter? Why are we called to this? We all know that we should read our Bible. We all know that we should pray. We all know that we should tithe. If you don't, you should. (laughs) We all know that we should serve the people in our city. But are we really called to this radical hospitality? Peter says this, I love it, in in our first um, portion of scripture that we read in 1 Peter 4. I love it. He says, above all, above all. Above all your degrees, above all your, your accolades and your, your, you know, all of it. I don't even have the words to say all, but you know, above it all. Above all. So yes, it absolutely matters because it matters to God. It matters to God. It all flows from the divine hospitality that we have all been shown by Christ himself. Sometimes we think it. We may not say it publicly, but we think it. I'm good. I'm good. I've got my family's good. I'm good. I've got everything's covered. It's just me and Jesus. Me and Jesus all day long. I don't need anybody else. I can disciple myself. Just me and Jesus. Um, that defeats the whole purpose of discipleship. You were never designed to be alone. We were designed for love, care, accountability, challenging one another, encouraging, mobilizing, saying you can do it when you feel like you can't. So loving the outsider is actually not optional. It is not an option for the believer in Christ. It's a command. We know about the Ten Commandments when we read through the Old Testament, but when Jesus came, he said, I leave you with these two. The first one is this, love the Lord with every part of you, right? Every part of you. Not just your Sunday part. Every part. 
And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's not optional for us. We can no longer shut the doors to people because they're different to us, because they, they smell different, they look different. They, they, don't, they don't sing the same songs as us. They don't, you know, I don't know, I can't even think of the words, but you know what I mean. We're shutting the door. When we're declaring that this is the year of the open door, we're holding the door shut. Don't come in. It's too messy. There's too many issues, you know. Our faith is not convenient. It's inconvenient. Our faith in Christ, if we were to model Christ, he was inconvenienced all the time. Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord, to remember who we are and what we've been saved from. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, and then we'll go on to 10. It says this, but because of his great love for us, take this in, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. Handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do, to do, to shut the door to people, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So it's time to switch off the Netflix. It's time to stop eating popcorn on, the, on your couch every day. It's time to get out into the world and preach the gospel to people that need Jesus. Do you want a revolution? It has to start in me. You see, we were once the outsider. We were on the outside lost and without hope. Bible even refers to us in James as, as an enemy of God because we were friends with the world. So what gives us the right to withhold from others this wonderful, life-changing grace of God? We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It requires action. You see, the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Not a museum where we come in and we play happy, clappy church and we go off and it is as if we've never been changed. We've never been transformed. In the movie, The Jesus Revolution, Pastor Chuck Smith, it was just this, I mean, he passed away a few years ago, but what a precious man of God. He was confronted by the people who judged, the people that he judged and shunned because they were different, but it was because of his own pride. But when the door was finally open to these people, it actually changed a generation. One door, one invitation, Lonnie, who's, who's the radical Jesus guy with the hip, this hippie guy that comes in to this pastor's world 
And he sits down at a table with Chuck and he says, we can only walk through doors open to us, but your church doors are shut. You see, in order for people to know who they are, they must be embraced as they are. Jesus ate with sinners. He received children gladly. He healed the lepers. He restored the prostitute. He invited the lowly to parties. He welcomed strangers. He prepared meals for his wayward disciples, including Peter who denied him. When Jesus says, come, follow me, he isn't calling us to offer a class or start a program, but to follow his way of life. And that way includes opening up our homes and lives to others. But before we'll do this, we must open up our hearts. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Open up your heart. Let him do a work. See something you've never seen before. Let him show you something. Let him reveal something new to you. And this is why it matters. It matters to God, so it has to matter to us. We are called to this. Soul Church, we are called to this. We cannot shy away. Do you want a revolution? Number three is how do we practice it? So we've looked at what it is biblically, and we've looked at why it matters to us as believers in Christ, but how do we practice this? How do we outwork this in our lives? And the idea of hospitality is beautiful, but the reality is really hard. <laughs> you ask any person that runs a cafe, that runs a restaurant, that runs, it is hard work. But I love when Peter says this, offer hospitality without grumbling. Oh, Jesus, help me on this one. Have you ever had people over for dinner? And at the end of the night, you're like, thank you, God, that they're gone. <laughs> Just thank you that they're gone, okay? Because it's 1130 at night. My children are still awake. They need to be up for school in the morning. I need to put the dish. Lord, thank you, Jesus, that they're gone. Okay. No one in this room, of course. I've never done that to anyone in this room ever. <laughs> and when I found myself grumbling and being so ridiculous about the smallest things, like the most ridiculous things, okay, sometimes it's, yes, it's like, okay, people have left the house, but then they're cleaning up or, you know, I, I was grumbling even when John would put a, 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 an old, a cup of tea, an old cup of tea just in the sink. It was like half drunk, right? Half drank, half drunk. How do you say that? Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's got the tea bag still in it. And I'm like, what? No. And so what I, what, I, what I do, what I do is I open the dishwasher because it's empty. And I just leave it basically to give him a hint that he needs to dump his cup and put it in the dishwasher. And he can just close the door and put the dishwasher back. How hard could that be? I mean, the amount of times that he just ticked me off and wound me up from those cups in the sink. 
And I found myself grumbling at my, my family. And, and then I would see my kids and I'd be clean. I'd clean the house and it's all clean and done. And, and then they'd come in and try and mess with me. I'm like, don't. Don't walk there. I just mopped. Don't use the knife because I just cleaned it. They're like, what do I do? Just stand there. And don't touch anything. <laughs> Who can relate? Yes, I know. Thank you for being honest with me. So God was challenging me. Okay, Chantel, you need to cultivate and practice this gift of hospitality. Because I wanted my heart, I wanted my motives, I wanted my attitude to be pure before the Lord. Not grumbling and moaning and whinging at everybody. So then I'm like, Lord, where do I start? Where, where, where do I start? Where do you want to lead me? Do you want me to just go to the streets of Norwich and just offer hospitality all on the street? Maybe the prison ministry. Maybe they need me to be hospitable. And I felt that very small whisper from the Holy Spirit says, it starts in your home. <laughs> We're like, can I work it and practice it every day to the people that know me best? Because they'll call me out. And they'll be honest. Lord, help me. <laughs> that was my prayer. Lord, help me. How can I love and value the stranger when I'm not even loving and valuing my own family? How can I do it? I read this portion of scripture and it cut me deep, like real deep. First Peter, I mean, First Timothy 5.8 says this, if anyone doesn't provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever in the world. You know, there was a time when John was, was really struggling with this health. He's doing so much better. Thank you, Jesus. But he was really struggling with this health, and with this health, and I thought, oh, it's just man flu, and you know, it's just getting. No, it was a pneumonia. Okay, it wasn't just man flu, and he's like gasping for air, like struggling to breathe, and I was not sympathetic at all. I was just like, he's over exaggerating. He's like, he's not really, really sick. He's not really gasping for air. He just wants me to come to his beck and call and be his nurse. I'm sorry, I'm not his nurse. I got things to do. I need to be at Soul Church to welcome all the people. I need to love them and hug them. I need to be at well-being on a Wednesday so I can encourage the people that come into our, um, come into our community and, and love them and, and encourage them. And, and yet, I'm not even considering the well-being and welfare of my own husband. Oh, was I convicted. And then one day he said to me, gasping for air, he goes, Chantal, I, don't even, I feel like you don't even love me. Exactly. I was, it took me back and I'm like, God help me. God help me. Let's never get too familiar with our families, people. I'm telling you this, this is, this is, the, 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 this is something that will unlock in our church. They will bring, there'll be real freedom that takes place if we can just hone in on this. There's always something new to learn about our husbands and our wives and our children. There's always something new to learn about each other. Keep learning, keep growing, keep dying to self. Yes, dying to self. 
Stop making it all about you. I was making it all about me, my needs. Well, you're not, you know, giving me a kiss, so I won't kiss you, John. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're, you're not making me eggs in the morning, justice, so why should I do it for you? <laughs> because I make him eggs in the morning, that's why, every morning. The Bible says if you want to find your life, you've got to lose it. You got to lose it for his sake. Husbands, wives, can I challenge you to ask these questions every day? How can I help you today? Not how can you help me? How can I help you? What can I pray for you? I know you, you're carrying a lot right now. I know there's things you don't even tell me that you're going, because you don't want to burden me with that. But how can I pray for you? How can I, how can I, how can I do this differently? How can I change? We've got to cultivate this love and this embrace in our own homes. Keep investing in your marriage. Get, find some marriage podcasts that you can listen to. I've been listening to this podcast, this, this crazy little thing called Marriage by Focus on the Family. It's hilarious, but it's real and raw and honest. I want to keep growing. I want to keep growing so I can cultivate love in my marriage. Be the first ones to sign up for the marriage course when it's offered. Marriages, you're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. Look at me, you're gonna make it. But you gotta keep investing. You gotta keep finding ways to love each other, to understand each other. You're gonna make it. Parents, I challenge you to cultivate beauty, not hostility in your home. Don't create a hostile environment where your kids are just treading around you and tiptoeing around you. I lived in that way. My mom just, she just didn't know. She had such a hard life and she thought she was doing better, but it was still difficult because we were just treading on every word and every move and whatever we said and did, we were living in fear. Don't create that kind of environment in your own home. Check yourself. Ask God what he can do in you, not what your family's doing wrong. Jesus, help me. I'm not preaching to you something I haven't preached to myself. I've had to challenge this. Challenge me to the core. Utter words like, I love you. I'm proud of you. I see you. Infuse deep love within your own home. Remind them of who they are in Christ and pray for them. Don't manipulate the word of God to get your way, parents. Please don't do that. When the word of God is there, it's for you. It's to change you. It's to impact you. It says, let uh, every man should work out their own salvation through fear and trembling. Please cultivate beauty and not hostility in your own home. You see, radical hospitality starts with me in my own heart and in my own home because we are image bearers for Christ. Christ living in us. Christ living in us because it sends a message to the stranger that there's beauty here. <laughs> I pray that when people walk into your home, they walk into this, this home 
that they will sense beauty because it's been cultivated on a personal level and we are extending it to other people. And on December 1982, a man named Thaddeus Ryback, also known as Ted, was invited to a home group that belonged to a faith community called Praise Chapel. Through their hospitality and discipleship, Ted became a follower of Christ. His life was completely transformed out of drugs and alcohol to a life of wholeness and freedom. And in 1993, almost 10 years later, Ted was now happily married to Lana and had two small children of their own whilst they were serving and ministering within the church. One day, Ted encountered a very broken 12-year-old girl. Sitting outside the church building, he had no idea what she had endured throughout her life. But when Ted saw the pain in her eyes, he knew that she needed help. That same radical hospitality that was extended to him 10 years earlier, he was now extending it to this precious girl. He, they offered, the family offered to take her in and be part of their own family. It was through this one invitation she finally encountered God for herself. This young girl stands before you now, aged 42, and I am humbled and in awe of what God can do and how he can restore and how he can change a life, transform through radical hospitality. See, it's not rocket science. It was through an open door and one invitation that led me to Jesus. People can experience Jesus through your one invitation. We are agents of grace, putting the hand of the stranger into the hand of the Savior. Why don't you stand to your feet? Does it cut you deep like it's cut me deep? <laughs> it's cut me real deep. Because I don't just want to play church, you know? I don't just want to play church. I don't just want to come here on a Sunday and project this image that I think I want you to see. But that we would recognize that we, were, we are made in the image of God. We are, we are image bearers for Christ. And we lead people straight to him. So the invitation is for you today. Maybe you have come here first time or you have been invited a few times and you're still trying to figure all of this out. You know, like when I went to Mount Zion, I'm like, this is crazy. There's something suspicious about it all. It can't be this good. <laughs> and you're still trying to work it out. But I'm telling you 
there is one invitation that will change your entire life. It's an invitation to meet Jesus, to experience his love, his forgiveness, and his grace and his hospitality. Scriptures say that he is the Lord of hosts. He created the whole world and he holds it in the palm of his hands. He can host your life and see it transformed. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I wanna give people in this moment, I feel the Holy Spirit just moving through this, this room. And if you're in this room today and you're saying, I've been searching for a long time and I don't know what this means for me today, but I know that I have to accept this invitation because I'm tired of living life my own way. I'm tired of trying to figure it out on my own. I've been hurt, I've been bruised, I've been wounded. People have let me down. But today, God will never let you down. He loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose and a destiny for you. If you're in this room today and you're saying, yes, I want to invite Jesus to come and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Why don't you just slip up your hand so I can see it? Thank you, thank you, thank you. All across this room, thank you. He sees, he sees it, he sees it. You are accepted, you are loved, you are seen. And with that invitation, we're gonna say this prayer together because it, this has changed. I'm telling you, if you look around this room, the difference in this room is changed lives. We once were living in darkness and now we're in his light. He's got purpose for you. If you wanna say this prayer with me, church family, we can join in and say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. Amen, amen. Come on, why don't we celebrate every person that has come in from a stranger to a neighbor to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. And at the end of the service, we wanna make sure that you don't leave here empty-handed. We have a gift, it's in the book of Mark, that will help you understand more of who you just invited into your life. <laughs> and it will really bring some challenging parts as well, but we wanna do this journey with you. So take this book and our team will be out after the service, just waving it at the end, but Take this book, but we also want to collect your details so that we can walk this journey together with you. We've got Follow Jesus online right now that we run throughout the year. We love to join in with you to help you on your journey. You don't have to do it alone. Remember, we were made for connection. We were made for connection. We love you very much. So church family, hard hitting, right? Well, it's hit me hard over the past 14 months and I cannot shake it. 
because we're about to move in a few weeks to a whole new catchment with a whole lot of people. And we are gonna be extensions of grace to a very lost community, a very broken community. But before we can reach those people, we've gotta learn to cultivate beauty and, and hospitality in our heart and in our home. Because people need to see healthy home. People need to see it modeled. They really do. So that when they come into our, when they, we extend our tables and they come into our home, it's not a facade and we're not faking it. He'd be like, everyone be on your best behavior. It'll be an overflow. You know, David says, you've anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. I pray that something has stirred in your heart today. And then you don't have to live in this projected image of like, oh, you know, people, I'm okay, I'm good. No, we all need help. We all need Jesus. We are all a work in progress. Don't fool yourself. Don't kid yourself that you're all good and everything's okay and you sit on the rapture bus, bus stop and you're just waiting to get to heaven. No, our lives are here to impact a world that still needs to hear this gospel truth. So why don't you open your hands like, like a cup, like you want to receive, if you do, and I pray that you do. And ask yourself these questions. Is my heart open to deeply love? Is my heart open? Lord, check it. Search me, Lord. Search me. Is, are my hands open to be generous? Are they open? They're open now, but will they stay open? Is my home open to invite strangers? Lord, are they open? Because this could be the open door of opportunity you've been praying for. Don't underestimate it. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So Heavenly Father, would you open our hearts, Lord God, to receive all that you have for us, not to just hold it to ourselves, but to outwork it, created for good works. We are God's handiwork, created for good works. And if you have come from a home that has been broken and bruised, and that has been your example, well, now you have a new point of reference. Now you have the word of God. Now you have a Lord that is the Lord of hosts that will help you and guide you and bring change and help you see things through a different lens. It doesn't have to continue like it did with your family. You can break the chain today. And it stops and starts with me. We're gonna sing this song, but I think it's only fitting right now that we worship him because it's, it's him that is the fixer. <laughs> he can fix it. He can change it. Are we willing? Are we available?
come on, let's worship. Let's worship him. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You lift up your hands if you're standing here today because someone at some point in your life opened up their home to you. Just lift it up if someone opened up their home as a result. You are where you are today. Just look around the room with all these hands. Come on, just lift up your hand. You know it was Thaddeus, for Chantel, for, for, for you. You know the person who opened up their home, their heart to you. This is part of who we are as children of God, to open up our homes. The gospel comes with a doorkeeper. We can hear a message like that and be stirred in the moment, but I don't think it's about our emotions in the moment. I think it's what we do with them. I think it's where we go from here. Because we can go and say, Chantal, that was fabulous. And by the way, that was fabulous. That was a remarkable message. But that isn't actually what it's about. It's about what we do with what we've just heard. Imagine if you and I brought someone close and loved them and discipled them. Wonder what could happen in their life. They might stay late. They might do things. We keep believing in people. One of the things about this church is we keep believing in people. We keep believing in people. We keep believing in people. Why? Because Christ keeps believing in us. So I feel like Chantel, there's a part two to that message. We won't say for next week because that's a bit unfair, but who feels that there's a bit more in that to unpack? And so I think we need to unpack that later on in the year and really stir our hearts because when God gave Chantel that word, hospitality for 2023, that was a that was changed, that, that something changed in our home when God gave that, as we began to open up our home and invite people in more and more. And I feel like if we can open up our homes, God's gonna do a lot of deep work because God does a lot of, and I don't say surface work, but almost starters in the church. But when you get around someone's home, it's like you can really dig deep and listen and hear what God is saying. And maybe this year, year of the open door maybe it could be our door maybe God is saying this year is actually to open our front door as part of that word and we'll be able to listen and care and pray and really just help people unpack some of the pain and the hurt and we can fill it with God's peace and love and so I'm going to take that who's going to take that message to heart and, but it's part one who, is, who thinks there's, a, there's some more to come out of there? I think there's a, a well of wisdom. And... So come on, let's really thank Chantel. That was a masterpiece. Oh. Sorry, I just wanted to say one thing. Um, I just felt when I came down that I, there's, there's actually, my mom was a single mom. She was raising five kids on her own. And it was really challenging. And it's painful, you know, and I, I, I want to pray for all of our single parents here in this room because I don't think we fully know the impact and the magnitude that you have to try and be mom and dad in a home 
where kids are all over the place sometimes and you're trying to just keep it together and you're trying to do good and you're trying to be Christ-like. But I just, I wanna just pray for you today and just encourage you and remind you that God sees it all. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to try and be mom and dad. You just be that loving, caring mom. You just love them and you trust that God will bring the right people around your children that would love them and encourage them and give them sometimes what you're not be able to give them in this current um, circumstance. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I just, you see every single mom, single dad. Lord, I just pray that you would fill them with your supernatural strength. God, give, help them give themselves a break just to cut themselves some slack. Lord, I pray today, God, that you would fill them up, Lord, with all of your goodness, with all of your grace, with all of your mercy as they cultivate this beauty within their homes, Lord, just trying to be mom or trying to just be dad and just keep it together. Lord, would you fill the gaps? <laughs> would you fill all the gaps in their home where that need filling? And I thank you, Lord, that you are using them in such a mighty way to raise up, to train up beautiful children that would serve you and that would give their life for you, Lord God. I thank you so much for what you're doing in them, that their homes are protected, their children are protected. Lord, I thank you that you go before them and heal every part, Lord, that needs healing in their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. God sees you. He loves you. Thanks again for tuning in. If you said yes to Jesus today by saying the salvation prayer, we'd love for you to email connections at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision you just made. And if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, head to soulchurch.com. And don't forget to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching at soulchurch.uk. Take care and God bless.